Welcome to season two of the No Meh Movies podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright? It's average. It's just okay. If you ask your friends if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris and he's Darren Cross. And on this show, we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad and whether or not you should watch them. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Oh boy, I am excited. Darren is back from vacation, everybody. Yay. We are done with our bonus episodes and we are starting season two. Now, to remind you, for a movie to qualify as meh, it must be between 40 and 60 on the tomato meter or four and six on IMDb. So the decision is out of our hands. Yes, we are picking the movies, but we're not the ones judging them as meh. The critics, the fans have judged them as meh. So me and Darren are here to talk about them, find out why they're meh, and make a decision on them. And the movie we are starting season two with, because the new Charlie's Angels is coming out in theaters this weekend. It'll be here this weekend. So we had to go back. We had to go back and do one of the early 2000s Charlie's Angels movies. And we did Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Which scores a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes and scores a 4.9 on IMDb. And coincidentally, co-stars Bernie Mac, who we started season one off with Mr. 3000, a Bernie Mac movie, which I think has created a tradition that all seasons must start with a Bernie Mac movie (laughs) until we run out. Or at least a movie that Bernie Mac is in. Exactly. (laughs) Darren, in case it's been a while since they've seen Charlie's Angels Full Throttle or they've never seen it before, give us a synopsis of the movie. I'm going to make the assumption that people generally know what Charlie's Angels is. Uh, So what's happening in this one is there are these two rings that exist, and when you put the rings together, they reveal the identities of people that have been placed in protective custody by the federal government. So... Evil people of all sorts are trying to get their hands on these rings, and you need both of them, and if you put them together, that's when you see the list. So they're stolen, they kind of float around, and the angels are called upon to retrieve them uh, so that they can get back into the right hands, and that's our adventure. All right, and the movie stars as our angels, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu, mm-hmm. and co-stars Bernie Mac and a few other actors, yeah. as we'll see along the way. So, Darren, our first question, Charlie's Angel, full throttle, were you entertained? I'm going to say mildly entertained. I was interested to see what was going to happen in the story, but there were a lot of distractions, which kept me from thinking about the story and made me think about the distractions instead. I was quasi-entertained the diet pepsi of entertained (laughs) not yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it at that all right fair enough i will say that i was entertained but probably not for the right reasons (laughs) and those reasons will kind of come out i think as we go through and review this movie like i I did not hate my experience watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I may have hated some things in this movie, but I didn't hate my experience of watching this movie. I got to say, 
just based on the tempo alone in this movie, it's hard not to stay engaged. Yeah. Like, if you look away, you're going to miss a set piece. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, if you glance away for a second, you're like, what did I miss? What Was there, was there a fight? Was there a dance number? What did I miss? <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, Darren, uh, this movie does a lot of things. But did the movie do what it was supposed to do? I usually look at this from like a genre standpoint of like, did it do what it was supposed to do? So action, yes. Yes, it did. It was an action movie. There was a lot of action that happened. I have some gripes with the action that I'll talk about more later, but it's I think it, you can fairly say that this was an action movie. Comedy, I feel like it kind of fell flat. I, I did not find a lot of this movie funny. Not surprisingly, some of the funniest parts were spoken by Bernie Mac. Not uh, surprising. <laughs> so it did not execute comedy for me, even though it's supposed to be an action comedy. I didn't find it that funny. And then I guess some of the things I was looking at called it sort of like adventure, which, yeah, I mean, I guess it could, I guess I would say, yeah, it did that. It, it did what it was supposed to do in that sense that we were taken on it. A bit of a journey trying to figure out where these rings were and get them back and such. Depending on which part of the movie you're asking about, I think it did do what it's supposed to do in some parts and, and not in others. We all know, like you said, what the Charlie's Angels are all about, right? It's about a team of three women spies who work for a private agency run by a guy in a speaker box named Charlie. And they go on crazy adventures and... They're all beautiful. They're all beautiful and they all kick ass. Yeah. So, I mean, did the movie do that? Yeah, it, it did that. But it goes to a place where I, I just don't understand. It was like it was trying too hard. So some movies are successful by like finding that line between ridiculous and acceptable and then going to the other side of it and finding what's out there. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this movie ever did that. Like an Austin Powers does that. Like an airplane does that. It goes to the line of ridiculous and says, okay, Leslie Nielsen, see what's on the other side of that. Yeah. This movie goes right up to that line and then just kind of hovers right there. So you're left in this weird thing where you're like, God, that is, why? Like that's so, are you making a joke about it? Like what are you <laughs> trying to say about it? Like, some of the ways this comes up is with, like, the action, right? You talk about the action. It's there. There's some crazy action. But, like, they do all this, like, wire work martial arts. There was actually, I think I saw a term for it. There's some genre term for, like, wire martial arts. But why? Like, why did they have to do that? Because when they're on the wires, they do moves that are physically impossible. Mm Mm-hmm. And they almost like come off like comic book characters or superheroes. Right. And that's not really what Charlie's Angels is. Yeah, it's like you're watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But But. not in a good way. Right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, so that drove me insane about this movie. It drove me absolutely insane because today, especially on TV, we have so many examples of women that kick ass and do insane martial arts and insane fight choreography. And it looks gritty and real. And if you look at the trailer for the new Charlie's Angels, it kind of looks like what they're doing. I mean, there's some pretty gritty fights in that trailer. So they go to this place and it's like, okay, if you go further, we're going to laugh and we'll understand that it's a spoof or a joke. But you don't. You go right up to it. Yeah. 
and then leave us in a weird place. The other thing I will say about did the movie do what it was supposed to do? So Charlie's Angels are known for the adventures they go on and the costumes and the outfits that they wear and the kind of the characters. Like the angels have to go undercover a lot. There are so many goddamn set pieces in this movie. (laughs) I don't even think, I was like halfway through the movie and I lost count. Do you think we can name all the set pieces? Starting with Mongolia. The movie opens in a Mongolian tavern. Hmm. Then there's a helicopter falling off a dam. Then there's an MC Hammer dance. There's also musical numbers too. Oh, right. MC Hammer. I forgot about that one. Surfing, street luge. Street luge, hot, a hot dog on a stick. There's um, uh, dirt, motocross. dirt biking. Yeah, yeah motocross. dirt biking. That one's insane. Yeah. Oh, there's a burlesque show. Oh, there is a burlesque show. That's right. There are welders for a scene. <laughs> I forgot about the welding. <laughs> there's the fight with the Irish mob. I'm up to nine so far. There's the flamethrower set piece. That's ten. Uh, there's the dance number at the high school reunion. You had the street luge. That was 12. <laughs> then there's the LA Observatory. Then there's the... Rooftop. Uh, rooftop, the final scene. Yeah. Like, oh, then there's the car chase, and then there's the theater. Yeah. So I'm up, I'm up to like 16 set pieces, <laughs> and that's just off the top of our memories. Like, <laughs> they just cram so much in. Like, why? Like, most movies, you would have like three of those. Like, a Mission Impossible movie today, which... This movie spoofs Mission Impossible a little bit and, like, directly references it with Matt LeBlanc's character being an actor in an action movie. Right. They kind of directly spoof it. And in Mission Impossible, you'd have, like, maybe, like, five set pieces like that. In this movie, we had, like, 16. Yeah. And counting. It was a lot. It's a lot. So did the movie do what it was supposed to do? No. It didn't. (laughs) It did something else. And didn't do it successfully all right <laughs> but darren that's what the movie did what about the actors the actors bring it who is your top performer and there's a lot in this cast to choose from we've got like i said drew barrymore cameron diaz lucy Liu is our angels bernie mac is bosley we have crispin glover coming back john forsyth is the voice of charlie Justin Thoreau, Robert Patrick, Demi Moore as a former angel. We got Luke Wilson as a boyfriend, Matt LeBlanc as a boyfriend, a couple of henchmen, John Cleese as one of their fathers, Jeanette DuBois as Mama Bosley, Shia LaBeouf makes an appearance. So many actors. There's so many cameos. Carrie Fisher as Mother Superior. Darren, (laughs) out of all this, who is your top performer? Can I pick a cameo as my top performer? I I mean, (laughs) it's hard to argue with Carrie Fisher. This was hard for me, picking a top performer. I decided that I actually landed on Lucy Liu. If you don't like know her career, this is what it, bringing it is for Lucy Liu. Like this, <laughs> like the kind of like actiony, like kind of a little over the top, like cute Asian but can kick your ass thing. Like that's what she does. Like that's like her thing. And I thought she did a really good job of that. I thought she like really executed that well. I don't know, for better or for worse, that's kind of how she's like sort of typecast, it seems. For her work, how she does things, I would say that, that she brought it. I think she was the most convincing of the three of them as far as like from an action standpoint and from kind of like a tough girl standpoint. I didn't like some of the scenes with her like dad where she was like super duper girly 
And I guess they were trying to like do like a daddy's girl, daddy's girl kind of yeah. like he, innocence. He, he doesn't know what she actually does, kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. So if I had to pick one, I would probably go with her. I actually really liked Matt LeBlanc in this. I don't know if he had like enough screen time that I could say that he brought it, but I thought he was pretty entertaining. But if I had to give it to one, I'm going with Lucy Liu. Yeah, Lucy Liu is an interesting time in her career. So I I did not watch Ally McBeal, but I guess she was on a lot of seasons of Ally McBeal. And then uh, as far as movies go, she does a couple of action movies, but then uh, Shanghai Noon and then the first Charlie's Angels. After this one, after Full Throttle, she gets Kill Bill Volume 1, which is a pretty big part for her. Yeah. I, I agree. She was my top performer. Nice. <laughs> like, when she was being charming, it was believable. When she was joking around with the other girls, it was believable. And the action scenes, when she's in an action scene, it's believable. When Drew Barrymore, without any kind of momentum slides underneath a table and then pops up the other side. That's not believable. But when Lucy Liu does a wheel kick, like that's believable. Yeah. I'm surprised she hasn't done more action movies because she's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to, I mean, for variety's sake, Demi Moore coming back as Madison <laughs> Lee. Maybe? She was pretty good. She, I mean, I believe her as like a dark, a fallen angel. Like, yeah. She plays a good bad guy. She didn't get she didn't get angry enough really. She didn't she, I mean she was kind of mocking the angels the whole time. Yeah. I would have liked to seen a a a, a darker. I bet she could have gone darker with it. Yeah, I think she probably could have. I mean so she plays here's where the spoiler warnings come in. She plays our main villain, what turns out to be our main villain. Right. Previous angel. Yeah, I, it was a good choice for the villainous angel role. Uh, she brings some grit to her. I, I was reading some of the other people that they had uh, looked at for that role. One of them was, I'm spoiling a little early trivia here, Courtney Love. I don't think that would have worked. I don't know. I don't know if she could have pulled off like the, she definitely could pull off like the gritty badass, but I don't know if she could pull off like the. Not the angel part though. Yeah, not yeah. like the, yeah. Yeah. And then Joan Cusack. Hmm. Same. I mean, Joan Cusack's fantastic, but I don't see her like flipping around doing martial arts and wheel kicks and stuff. No. And she's an attractive woman, and no offense to her, but like she's not like the like pinup girl, like a you see it think yeah. of like a Charlie's Angel as like a pinup girl, you know, like Yeah, you pretty much have to be a supermodel to be a right. Charlie's Angel. Yeah. So yeah, that's our uh that's our top performers. It's a big cast. You don't want to sit here and listen to us go through the whole thing. So many people. As much as we'd love to talk about Luke Wilson as the charming boyfriend. (laughs) All right, Darren. That brings us to successes and failures. Let's find out here what this movie's got. What did this movie do great? Where did this movie fail? I unfortunately have more failures than successes, so I will start with failures. The first one I had was, and this is sort of part of a bigger gripe but i thought it could stand alone as its own gripe is their kind of james bond-esque technology that they have so it's never specifically stated but it seems to be that we're supposed to be in like the 70s or 80s because you look at the clothing and like the regular technology you see around 
Well, I mean, the original show is from the seventies and eighties, but like, I think it was. I think it was modern day. Look at the TV that she was moving. I think you forget what two thousand and three was like. <laughs> I had a tube TV in two thousand and three. Yeah, maybe I did too. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like in bell bottom. There were some bell bottoms going on. I don't it's cause know. Because it's a throwback. It's because it's. Okay, that's a fail then. I don't know what year it is. All right, yeah, if it's not clear. <laughs> but back to my actual fail. The like James Bond-esque technology, what made it work in James Bond films, as, as maybe people may or may not like this, but um, was it Q? Is Q is the one who's the inventor of all yeah, this stuff, yeah. right? Him explaining these things and showing how they work was like part of the majesty or the interesting part of the technology. Ah, okay. And in this, they just use it and you don't quite, you're like, oh, that's a fancy looking thing and they're talking to it or they press a button and this and that happens. But you don't kind of like know what's going on until like it's kind of half over already. So in James Bond, when they introduce it, you kind of are like, and it's in the back of your mind and you're like, oh, I bet in this situation he's about to use that thing. And like, sure enough, he uses that thing, right? So I didn't like that it wasn't explained and all of a sudden they just had like all these things kind of popping out out of nowhere. It just didn't, I don't know, it didn't really work for me. You would think that that might fall under a Bosley? Right. But what is it, new Bosley? Bosley can explain stuff. Yeah, he he explains the case. He does. The mission. Yeah. But never the tech, you're right. And I will tell you that in the trailer for the new one that's hitting theaters this weekend... In the trailer, at least, there's a scene where there seems to be a young guy explaining the tech to them. Oh, good. Yeah. The premise of the new one is they actually are recruiting a new girl, a new angel in. Ooh. And they do a little thing where they walk her through and show her the wardrobes, show her the tech. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I think you'll get that scene in the new one. I hope so. There you go. They've learned from their mistakes. Yeah. I agree. That's a really good observation. I really comparing it to James Bond like that. I never put that together when I was watching it. Thank you. I, <laughs> I was more focused on how ridiculous those set pieces were, and one of them is a big fail for me, and it's the entire opening scene in the Mongolian bar, the Mongolian tavern. First off, I don't think that's a fair representation of Mongolia. <laughs> like. From everything I could tell in my research, it seems to be quite the lovely countryside, <laughs> full of ranchers with cattle and horses, and looks quite picturesque. I also don't think there's any Hoover Dams <laughs> in Mongolia. That was clearly the Hoover Dam, right? They were filming that at the Hoover Dam? I mean, I think so. Yeah. Or, or some Hollywood backdrop that's made to look like the Hoover Dam. Yeah. Yeah. So, the whole thing with like how the girls end up in there is kind of ridiculous the way everyone's acting in the bar is ridiculous the guy with the machine guns i'm not even gonna get to that guy yet so <laughs> she has lucy lou has a line when she the first line of the movie when she pops out of that crate which okay i get it she's trojan horse into the bar she pops out and the line is get off the babysitter daddy's home <laughs> what does that mean I don't know. Is it sexual? It sounds a little like someone sleeping with the babysitter and break it up because the parents are home and you're all in trouble now. 
something in there. I know. And I it did confuse me too because I was searching for like I mean I think like the if you go with that like quintessential joke about the babysitter, it's the the dad sleeps with the babysitter. He's attracted right? to the babysitter. Right, that, yeah. or, or is attracted or whatever. That's like that's like your like normal babysitter joke or whatever. Your your traditional. So I do agree. When she said that, I was like dad would already be there if you're trying to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so we go from that and then like I said, there's some ridiculous like fight choreography that defy the laws of physics. And then there's this guy, the crowd parts, and there's this guy with two giant machine guns. Everybody else had guns. Like, if you're trying to kill the angels, why wouldn't everybody shoot? Like, what's the point of parting to let the one guy with two machine guns try to hit three moving targets? I don't know. And then they flip out the window, but the way they leave the window isn't the way they come out of the window. (laughs) And then they go to this scene where they're driving a truck, and there's a missile and a tank. But then out from the truck pops a helicopter. <laughs> and as they're falling, they catch up to the helicopter in a dam that looks less than 200 feet tall. Like that's that's like the slightly above average roller coaster hill. Yeah. <laughs> Hel- helicopters don't work that way. You would be on the ground in like less than 10 seconds. Less than five seconds. Anyways, they catch up to the helicopter. And so the whole thing is awful it's awfully shot the cgi is terrible or the effects themselves are terrible the whole premise of that whole mongolian bar scene is a huge fail for me all right fair enough i'll do another fail (laughs) (laughs) and you kind of hit on some of it with uh the mongolian thing but just the whole movie the unrealistic physics of it and i think this is something we'll come back to frequently is that it's not like you aren't allowed to do that in a movie. You certainly can, and movies do do it. But the way you execute it is very important. So it has to be like that's fully the world that we live in, or it's not the world that we live in. Like right. the Matrix, it worked because that's the world you live in. They're so powerful that they go in slow motion. I, so, that's so a great ma- comparison so to makes the sense. fight scenes. Yeah, the Matrix is perfect. But- we're not, as far as we understand it, we don't live in that world in this movie. We live in the regular world. That's what the machines want you to think, Darren. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So it felt very forced, and then it just felt like very out of place. Every time it happened, you're just like, ah, why did that just happen? I mean, it happened so much. But one that stuck out to me really bad was when Demi Moore shoots all three of them so they jump in the air to try to dodge her bullets but she's a former angel so her shooting skills are excellent because they used to use guns i guess they don't use guns now because drew barrymore is very against guns and Ah. gun violence and she refused to do the movie if the angels used guns huh so that's why they don't use guns in the movie dang yeah all right so demi moore hits all three of them because she's a sharpshooter i guess and they're seemingly very far away from this ledge <laughs> and the impact of the bullet pushes them past it over this ledge down. We don't know how many feet and they fall in some grass. Wait, wait, wait. That... It, it looks like a cartoon where, you know, it's like it's like Wiley Coyote getting knocked out of the world. Right. It's like yeah. the same thing. Like he's like spinning away. 
my nitpick from that whole thing is that the order that they get shot in and tumble over the building is not the order that they're laying in the grass. <laughs> right. They're out of order in the grass. Yeah. They, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so that's just an example of several times in the movie where they did these things, and it just didn't, it didn't feel in place in this movie. Like it. I'm all for like fight scenes, karate, you know, do some Jackie Chan shit. I don't care. You know, like that's great. But like you brought into these really weird physics and it just didn't seem like it fit with the movie. A lot of things in this movie, they thought, oh, look how cool we're being and didn't think how we're actually integrating it into the movie. Yeah. And didn't give any consideration for that. All right. I got a success for you here. Bernie Mac is charming as hell. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. He was literally Bernie Macking the whole movie. Like it was just him doing his exasperated Bernie Mac routine. Confused. You confu- yeah. <laughs> Overwhelmed a little bit. Yeah. You know, uncomfortable. Yeah. But God my God, is he charming. <laughs> He's so great. <laughs> he cracked me up. And I will say the the chemistry of the cast I will give a success to. You get a little bit more of it in the first movie. This movie Again, pushes it a little too far, but the three angels together, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu, I like the three of them as angels together. Like, they clearly enjoy working together. They clearly have fun and care about each other and are a formidable team. And then the actresses themselves just seem like, especially they they have a few outtakes at the end of the movie, and they look like they're having an absolute blast making the movie. So I will totally give a success there that the three of them together, you know, if they would have done a third movie and maybe gone with a different director than McGee, which we'll talk about McGee in a second, maybe they could have gotten somewhere closer to, you know, the kind of movie we maybe would have liked to have seen here. But this cast itself, and then you throw in, I do think Luke Wilson and Matt LeBlanc as the boyfriends and some of the bad guys in this movie is good casting. And they, maybe the writing. They, yeah, they seem to play well together. But yeah. Yeah, the writing and the directing does not do them any favors. Yeah. But a success for the cast. Nice. Speaking of cast members, one of my successes was uh, Crispin Glover as the Thin Man. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it was intentionally supposed to be as hilarious as it was or if it was <laughs> supposed to be like. This guy's crazy. That's Crispin Glover. <laughs> Nobody I, knows. I know, right? I found it hilarious. So he do, he does this weird thing. If you haven't watched it, this weird <laughs> thing where he yanks out a piece of a woman's hair and smells it, and, and it seems to get something, some sort of sexual satisfaction out of it of some sort, perhaps. But then, like, screams. At the top of his lungs, this like shrieky scream, and it just killed me. I found it so funny, um, because he's he's making he keeps eye contact with the, the girl, <laughs> the woman that he stole it from. It just screams. Um, so I don't I don't know what place it really played in the movie. <laughs> he ends up helping them. He ends up being a an aide. For half a second. Well, so he's in the first movie, and he's like a henchman in the right, first movie. Right. But this one, it turns out, no, he was actually helping them all along. Right. He His character is, I think, designed to be sort of mysterious. We don't exactly know what he's supposed to be doing. But just his, his sheer 
screaming and like weird hair thing. If it, if this is truly supposed to be an action comedy, which it is, they nailed it with comedy with Crispin Glover. My favorite reaction is he does it to Carrie Fisher, yeah. and Carrie Fisher's reaction to it is priceless. <laughs> So I gave a success to Crispin Glover. They just they didn't ramp up the storyline at all. Like they toss him off the side of a building. Yeah. You know he survived that. You know if there was a third movie, he was coming back for a oh, third yeah. movie. Uh, they never like expl- No, there's no explanation still in the end. Like even when it's accepted that he's helping the angels, there's still no. He just screams <laughs> and mutters one word and then gets knocked off the building. Yep. Oh man. Another scene that was a a big fail for me would be the the street luge scene. Mm. So Lucy Liu is chasing the bad guy on a street luge wearing a gravel camouflage suit. There's a there's a shot where the guy looks in his side mirror. Is it implied there that he can't see her cuz she's so well camouflaged? I don't know if it was that or it was just saying like the angle of his mirror was not where she, you know what I mean? But what's the, I mean, yeah. What's the point of wearing the camouflage I don't know. suit? I don't know. Do you really think you're blending in <laughs> with a giant Lucy Lou face in the middle of your gravel suit? <laughs> and then there's this whole thing where Bernie Mac is like their fail safe as a crossing guard to stop them if they need him to stop them with a group of school kids that are harassing him. They're on the side of a mountain. Where did those kids come from? Where were they crossing to? There was no schools. There was no buildings. It was desert. Mountain. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> it did not seem like a place where there was a school. You want to talk about a wily e. Coyote cartoon. <laughs> Didn't seem like there was a school nearby. <laughs> that whole thing... whole thing is a fail for me. All right. All right. Maybe it's a long nitpick, but it's a fail for me. <laughs> I put a success on Matt LeBlanc's character and his relationship with John Cleese. I thought that that whole thing about him telling John Cleese. So John Cleese plays Lucy Liu's dad. Matt LeBlanc is the boyfriend. And he's trying to explain to John Cleese, the dad, what Lucy Liu actually does. And it's this ongoing joke that John Cleese then thinks that she is a hooker of some sort. Right. Or they go to orgies. Charlie They go to orgies pimp. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It was like subtle humor and it stuck around for, you know, half the movie or whatever. And I thought, th- I gave that a success because I thought it was like funny enough to get a chuckle out of and uh, John Cleese is a good actor, and so his sort of nonverbal reactions I thought were pretty good. Their little dynamic that sort of exists as a little tiny extra story along the way, I thought I gave a success to. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. I just wish there was some resolution to it. Like, I was like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> tell him. <laughs> like, finish the joke. Yeah, finish it. Like, finish the little storyline you built and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, they just left it open. Yeah. No. Yeah. Even at the end, there's more, uh, there's more, more, more innuendo. Innuendo, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. Speaking of that final scene, I got a success for <laughs> going back to Bernie Mac. But uh, there's a scene where a grenade is thrown at the crowd, and he grabs a, a stanchion, like for like a red, you know, for a rope. Yeah. 
and he grabs a stanchion and he gives the best baseball <laughs> swing of his career, which includes Mr. 3000, <laughs> and knocks the grenade away from the crowd and explodes in the air. Was this before or after Mr. 3000? I can't, oh. I can't remember what year Mr. 3000 was. Mr. 3000 was 2004. Ah, nice. So someone saw this movie and was like, we got to get Bernie Mac in a baseball movie. <laughs> it was consistent. He's a left-handed hitter in both movies. They had to check that. Yeah. Yeah. What a swing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You got anything else in successes and failures? That was pretty much all of mine. I know you want to talk about Mick G, so let's go there. Yeah, we need to talk about McGee. So he's had an interesting career. I know the name McGee might seem a little strange. His full name is Joseph McGinty Nichols. So McGinty is where you get the McGee from. And he's had a very successful career and a very interesting career too. He came up in film, I think in film schools and stuff like that, but also in music. He apparently was in the band Sugar Ray. And was the front man for a while until, is it Mark McGrath, who's the lead singer of Sugar Ray? Yes. Told Mark McGrath that he should, he's like, I, I, I can't be the front man anymore. You should be the front man. <laughs> and stepped back into more of a producing role, wrote songs, like wrote some of their hit songs with them and did their music videos and produced some of their like tours and stuff like that. So he gets into music video directing, which a lot of, act, a lot of action movie directors come from that world. Yeah. And Charlie's Angels was the first feature-length movie he did the first one and drew barrymore recruited him she really liked his music videos liked his style and recruited him to be the director for it so charlie's angels full throttle is the second feature he does and he's gone on to have this weird career where like i keep hearing his name but he's not really done anything super successful like, his highest-rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes is called The Babysitter. It's a 72%. Uh, the movie called The Duff, and then the first Charlie's Angels. He did We Are Marshall. He did Terminator Salvation was his biggest box office, but it's kind of critically panned. More for the story. I don't know about the, the directing itself. But, yeah, I keep hearing his name attached to different things. And he's had a good TV career. He's executive produced and directed a lot of TV, a lot of TV pilots that you've probably seen, like Chuck, Supernatural, Human Target. I love that show on Fox. <laughs> the OC was a huge hit for him. So people a lot of times give him all, give this him and all, this movie a lot of flack because they're like, oh, he shot it like a music video. Oh, it's got the pace of a music video. We're going to hear that when we get to the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers. Yeah. I agree that he's a failure for me as far as directing this movie goes, but I do see potential there. Like he clearly had some big ideas. The the stunts and the CG work and the the action set pieces are insane and ridiculous. Yeah. The character scenes, like the scene you're talking about where Matt LeBlanc and John Cleese are talking and you know, like th- that stuff was solid. I don't know if, if like just full on action is his thing. Maybe he should just stay stay away from from the action yeah. side of stuff. The music numbers are really good. Yeah. The burlesque scene and the high school reunion dance number were both pretty darn good. Yeah. You can see I mean, does music videos, so you see why those scenes are good. Yeah. So he's fifty one, not super old, still's got a lot of 
I, I still think you're going to get a big hit movie from McG or a big film franchise from McG at some point. Yeah. What it's going to be, I don't know. But there's there's potential there. Yeah. I'd like him to see maybe maybe stray away from the action. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not a strong suit. Honestly, I don't know why no one's hit him up to do like a musical, like a Chicago yeah. or like a, you know, one of these like Broadway musicals, but we're pulling it into the real world right. kind of movies. Yeah. Something that has a lot of dancing in it. Yeah, he'd be great at that. Yeah. McGee, if you're listening, <laughs> we've got an idea for you. <laughs> Darren, it's time to speak into those Rotten Tomatoes reviewers. It's time to take a look at what the critics said about this movie and find out how it ended up as a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. What are you feeling for our first episode back? You feeling fresh? You feeling rotten? Let's start with fresh. All right. Our first fresh review comes from Moira McDonald from the Seattle Times. Moira says, as a movie, it's a mess. Hang on. (laughs) Hang on. It's a fresh review, I promise. As a movie, it's a mess, but there's a loopy spirit to it that's infectious and the giggly camaraderie of its heroines shines through like sunlight over a junkyard. <laughs> First off, great imagery, Moira. Yeah, very, very good writer. <laughs> I like it. I know. We need more reviews from Moira on these uh, movies. What do you think of that review? I disagree. I did not like all the like giggling and like laughter. Like it, it seemed very forced. It was. It didn't seem like. Yeah, it wasn't organic. It just seemed like they made intentionally made a bad joke and then laughed at it too much, and then I don't know. I, Cameron Diaz does that a lot. She does. She overlaughs a lot. Yeah. In a lot of movies. Yeah. So it just, and it's, and it's like the what we've been talking about a lot with the movie is like if, if you're gonna make it that, then that's one thing. But the movie didn't go far enough to make it that thing. It wasn't that thing. It was like somewhere floating in the ether. We didn't know what it was. So it could be funny if that's the thing, but it wasn't fully the thing. And so you're kind of left with this like, oh, huh, okay, all right. <laughs> I I will say that she I take giggly away as the adjective. The camaraderie of its heroines, like I said, it was one of my successes. I'll agree with Moira there. It it carried some potential yeah. with it. So I don't know if it was a, a bright, sunny day over this junkyard. <laughs> might be partly cloudy. Yeah. yeah. The chance of rain. Chance of meatballs. <laughs> but she's on to something here. I appreciate her optimism towards the, the lead actresses of this movie. All right. Our next fresh review comes from Jay Boyar from the Orlando Sentinel. Jay says, most action flicks, even the wildest ones, try to get you to go along with their over-the-top contortions. But the action scenes in full throttle don't even attempt to be plausible, and that's just why they're so much fun. Do you think if we weren't watching this movie as two guys trying to be movie critics on a podcast (laughs) if we just happen to stumble across it on uh, tbs or usa one day and just watch this movie do you think we could have gotten into how over the top this is and just enjoyed it 
I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I would have. No, I'm try- <laughs> I was just trying to sell Jay's point. Yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah, because it would have been one thing if it was like, if from the from the onset, from when Charlie's Angels show was on, that was like their thing. Like they were like over the top with unbelievable physics and martial arts and like things you, that are physically impossible, but it wasn't. They did like, they were obviously very athletic and like super, like, I don't know what you would call them, special agents. Like they're very skilled, but it was never that. And so to like s- kind of suddenly plunk that into their worlds, I don't know. It, I didn't think it worked. All right. Moving on to some of our rotten reviews. I just like want to go rapid fire through some of these because they all kind of say very similar things. And everybody's trying to make their best joke here. <laughs> well, that was no angel. <laughs> Barbara Ellen of the Times UK says the sequel to Charlie's Angels is a bit like being spritzed in the face with all the bad teenage perfume ever made. David Edelstein from The Slate says, it's like a third-rate Austin Powers picture cut to the whacking and attention deficit disorder tempo of Moulin Rouge. Jesus. (laughs) Nev Pierce from BBC.com says, it amounts to cinema for goldfish, so empty that even the makers can't remember what happened five seconds ago. (laughs) Richard Roper from Ebert and Roper says, it's like a whole movie done by Maxim. (laughs) Anne Hornaday from Washington Post says, a nearly two-hour exercise in chaotic action and course, annoyingly coy sexuality. Peter Howell from the Toronto Star says, a seizure-inducing extreme fashion show. (laughs) All right. We get get the points. (laughs) What do you think of all our rotten reviewers here with their bad jokes themselves? I mean, I think what they're trying to say is there was very little story and it would just sort of like punch you in the face with like attractive women and costume change i there was a story yeah i agree I, there was a story there was a, i mean the macguffin of the movie being the two t- titanium rings which will come back in nitpicks applaud you know that was that was fine plausible macguffin yeah. and the fallen angel storyline of demi moore a good twist and a good villain for the movie there was a story here. Was it completely overshadowed by some of the things we talked about on successes and failures? Of course it was. <laughs> but uh, there was there was there was definitely something here under all of that. It wasn't as hollow, I think, as some of these people are making it out to be. Yeah, that's I, fair. I think they're going for the headline, the punchline here. Yeah, they're trying to get the the best joke. Yeah, yeah. at at uh, Charlie's Angels' expense. Yeah. All right, Darren, that does it for our Rotten Tomatoes reviewers, and it's time. Oh, it is time for us to pitch a sequel. Now, it didn't happen. They talked about doing a third one, but it didn't happen. You were going to pitch a sequel to Charlie's Angels Full Throttle and the Charlie's Angels franchise. What would it be? I decided that in this sequel, Shia LaBeouf, who plays Max, Max, Maxwell or Max, um, he's involved in the story because his parents were killed by the Irish mob because he testified against them. The witness protection storyline. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. He sort of, at the end of the movie, gets accepted as like an unofficial member of the team. He's a, No, he's adopted by the Bosley family. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's a Bosley now. Right, right, right. 
So he's kind of like an official member of the team. Yeah. <laughs> In this sequel, it turns out that he's a mole. Ooh. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. He is a mole for the Irish mob. Even though they killed his parents, they offered him a deal. Couldn't refuse. And so he's a mole for the Irish mob. He finds out where Charlie lives and kidnaps Charlie or holds him hostage and forces him to send the angels on dangerous missions. Like, says, oh, you got to go do X, Y, and Z, but, like, they're supposed to be doing A, B, and C. So it's like okay, the mission is kind of right, but the direction is wrong, and it's putting them in grave danger, and they keep, like, failing or almost getting killed, and they don't understand why, and they eventually figure it out, and they have to rescue Charlie from Maxwell. All right, interesting. Interesting. You're throwing Charlie in danger. Yep. Charlie's in danger in the first one, I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, wow, Shia LaBeouf with a heel turn. I didn't yeah. see that coming. Yeah. My pitch is also going to have to do with Charlie because it's been over 100 episodes of TV. It's been three movies now, including the one coming out this weekend. It's time for the angels to finally discover the mystery of who is Charlie. Ooh. Yeah. Something's going to go down, and the angels are going to get burned by the government. Mm. Blacklisted, you know? Yeah. They're going to have to start digging into the Townsend Agency to figure out what went wrong, how they were set up. Maybe there's some new girls already being recruited by Charlie. Ooh. And they finally get to the bottom of who Charlie is and what his agency really is. And in the end... Don't give it end, away. <laughs> well, the way the storyline comes full circle, I think over the course, because this would be the third movie in the trilogy. Yeah. I think one of the girls has to become the new Charlie. Ah. Yeah. So in in this whole thing, whatever happens to Charlie, he's either gonna ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Or you know be killed. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. And one of the girls becomes. I think that would complete the arc. Because they talk a lot in this movie about, like, what's going to happen after they're done being angels and, like, Cameron Diaz is going to get married to Pete. Yeah. And uh, I I guess Drew Barrymore's character would be the choice. I think her storyline of being, you know, being in witness protection and being this loner rebel. Yeah. And not feeling like part of the group to becoming the leader, the eventual leader. So Mm -hmm. she becomes a Charlie. All right. I think I like yours more. Yeah. I don't know what happens in the middle. (laughs) That's what I'm I dig it. Are you guys in? Are you watching our movies? What do you think? <laughs> All right, Darren. It is time to get to our favorite segment. It is time for quick picks. It's time for our nitpicks of the movie. It's time for those last little things that didn't fit into any other category. What do you got for me this week in quick picks? My first one is, I hate to tell you, Drew Barrymore, but Bon Jovi is not metal. I had that down too. It's just not. <laughs> <laughs> like they really, they could they could have just Googled like twenty second metal riff and just taken anything, <laughs> but decide they decided to pick a a, no, a recognizable song that is not at all metal. <laughs> now, Darren. 
I hate to tell you this, but I researched this heavily yeah. on the internet. And according to Wikipedia, that's how deep I got into the internet. I got to Wikipedia. Wow, it's really far. During the 80s, they have a genre that they call glam metal. And the first band that they mentioned, it says, during the 1980s, glam metal became popular with groups such as Bon Jovi and Motley Crue. Oh, my God. So, I, you know, she didn't specify glam metal, but clearly that's what she meant. <laughs> You're right. I like I wrote it down in all caps. Like <laughs> it's Bon Jovi metal. No. No. So many other bands to choose from. All right, go ahead. All right. My first quick pick was Lucy Lou giving us a textbook definition of what the witness protection program is. Like the whole movie grounds to a halt. <laughs> and they're like the rings unlock all the names in the witness protection program. They're like, not the witness protection program. And Lucy Liu is like, yes, the witness protection program. And I'll read you the definition of the witness protection program. (laughs) (laughs) Is a program codified through 18 U.S. Code 3521 and administered by the United States Department of Justice and operated by the United States Marshal Services that is designed to protect threatened witnesses before, during, and after trial. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what she says. That's basically the dialogue <laughs> in the movie, read with the same enthusiasm. And like, they just got done giggling and giggling about so many things. And it's like, what? We all know what witness protection is. It's been in like hundreds of movies. Yeah, that's fair. It's a fair nitpick. All right. What do you got? <laughs> My next one is why does the only black guy in the movie have to be from the ghetto? <laughs> <laughs> Why does he have to be from South Central? <laughs> couldn't, uh, he, couldn't he live in a regular neighborhood? Why does it have to be? It's super cliche. Although, if you were hiding from the Irish mob. It would be a good place to hide. It would be a good place to hide. Yeah, that's true. He's, not, he's right. <laughs> he's right. All right. I got, a, uh, I, got, I got one I liked. Of all the costumes, there were some great costumes. Let's be honest. Like The costume work in this movie and in Charlie's Angels in general is fantastic. Yeah. I gotta give it up for Karen Diaz's mullet wig when she was playing the CSI tech. <laughs> like of all the ridiculous that whole, char- that costumes, whole character was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that that wig got me. I was like, of all the wig work in this movie, <laughs> that's that the best one. one. <laughs> that, that was my favorite. And she like manipulated her mouth so that when she talked, like her lips moved differently. It was like a whole thing. (laughs) Maybe that's the (laughs) spinoff. The next one I had was, I know that in movies and especially in action movies, a lot of times things are conveniently placed that wouldn't happen in real life. Like, Oh, this gun is here and that thing is there. And Oh, isn't that convenient for the situation that this person's in? On several occasions, though, the gun, or whatever gun we were referring to, and the rings were very nicely placed next to each other in multiple scenes, and it drove me crazy. Like, (laughs) I get it, I get it, you do that in movies, but, like, it was too much. It was too, too much. And I'm just like, it's too much. Pick one. If you want the rings there, great. If you want the gun there, great. They can't both be together all the time. 
it's the Mitchie directing like music yeah. video. Like right. in the music video, we got like one shot to show you everything you need to know. <laughs> right. So it better be everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm trying. I'm still trying to figure out figure out what's going on with the Bosleys. So they're a family. It's a family of Bosleys. What do you mean? Like how many there are? Yeah. Like, I thought Bosley was a character, like a man, and it turns out, no, it's a whole family, and they're brother Bosleys and a mama Bosley. Does mama Bosley know who Charlie is? Did she work for Charlie at one time? And now all her sons work for Charlie? I don't know. That actually is a good question, though, because up until these movies, these newer movies came along, I always thought Bosley was his first name. No, so in the show, it's John Bosley. Okay. Yeah. That's just my poor knowledge of Charlie's Angels. In the TV show, he's just a guy that works for Charlie and refuses to reveal any of Charlie's secrets and is this like asexual character for these angels to always bounce off of and play the different male roles when they go undercover. Which I will say that it was, I don't want to say it was bad, but it was odd seeing Bernie Mac in that kind of role. Because he does tend to be a, a ladies' man in a lots of his in lots of his movies. It's true, right? <laughs> so it was a, it didn't hurt his comedy. He was still very funny, but it was weird to see him sort of be very platonic with all three of them. Yeah, why didn't he say the phrase his catchphrase "monstrous"? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not once. So I'm still not under like what's going on with the like you just make him Bosley. Like they've switched actors plenty of times in other movies. Right, does he doesn't need a whole backstory? Yeah, yeah a Bosley family. What we know, yeah. There's the spinoff, the, a sitcom on ABC, The Bosleys, <laughs> with Shia LaBeouf and Bernie Mac. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else you got in your quick picks? Uh, I think I only have one more. Of all the ways that the dirt bike guy they were chasing could have been killed, I don't know why they chose the heel blade in midair to stab like with the back kick it, ju- it just it seemed like there were so many if someone's on a, on a dirt bike you're already in a dangerous situation it was a very dangerous dirt bike race yeah people yeah. are kicking each other I mean, it's a whole thing i i guess i could have seen like i don't know i feel like your your head is exposed it's like it could maybe it would could have been like a machete situation but they chose this like very subtle darren it's not a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> They chose this very subtle, like roundhouse kick with the 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 foot the shoe blade, and it was I guess maybe they're trying to be incognito with the kill, Sa- assassinated. The thin man is kind of an assassin. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why. I don't know. It was just like maybe it was because it was it was such an intense scene, and then it ended like sort of like so subtly, just like just a little, and that was it. Maybe that's where they're going for. I don't know. It didn't seem like it fit to me. All right, I'll give you that one. I will give you that one. I'm going to run rapid fire through the rest of mine. I keep wanting to call him Joey. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matt LeBlanc is carrying around a CD Walkman. It's 2003. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what year it is in this movie. (laughs) The iPod came out in 2001. I'm pretty sure we all had ipods by 2003 and if you're an a-list hollywood star you have the ipod you're not carrying around cds anymore how long would it take to encase yourself in plaster (laughs) 
So there's a scene where the girls have to sneak in and another Trojan horse, another Trojan horse. And so they encase themselves in a plaster statue. Also, why were they naked? They were naked in the plaster statue, but then they have clothes. Yeah, they always bring clothes. Was the tactical gear also encased in the plaster? Why not just wear it <laughs> when you encase yourself? It wouldn't be sexy enough. How long can you breathe encased in plaster? I have so many questions about plaster. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you need to take an art class. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then my last one also comes from that scene. So the Irish mob surrounds them. They've got the t- the rings, but the mob surrounds them, and they... She, they make them hand over the rings, yeah. and Cameron Diaz says, I'll have those back in 48 seconds. And then a fight scene breaks out. How long do you think it takes him to get those rings back? <laughs> Did you count? <laughs> it takes him two minutes and 34 seconds to actually get those rings back. She was way off. Now, if you're going to just make a, you know, if you're just throwing out a line, you would say, I'll get those rings back in a minute. Like, that's a phrase. We all say, I'll be back in a minute. Hey, just give me a minute. I'll have those rings back in a minute. Like, that would have been a tough guy line to say. But I'll have those rings back in 48 seconds is way too specific. She better have those rings back in her hand in 48 seconds. <laughs> yeah, and then they should reference it yeah. somehow that it was 48 seconds. If Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible is like, I'll have that knock list back in 48 seconds, you better believe 48 seconds from then he'd be holding that thing in his hand, suspended on a wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being pulled by an airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, okay. So. I do. I, I'm sorry. I do have two more I forgot about. Oh, hit me. One is, is I guess, is just related to the the physics thing again but it's it's separate enough I, i'm going to name it separately the amount of impact that they absorb and aren't injured by for example the whole helicopter thing which is the whole scene is ridiculous but they're falling free falling from the top of the dam and just catch on to the side of a helicopter falling like 200 miles an hour probably i don't know super fast you don't you, you just just grab onto it, just like, eh. no impact. Don't smash your face. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They would they would have been on the ground in five seconds. <laughs> Everybody would have been dead. <laughs> now, a movie that does do a crazy helicopter stunt is the A-Team, where they flip a helicopter. They, like, do a vertical loop with a helicopter. Ooh. But at least they're like thousands of feet up when they start that stunt. Right. Not the top of Hoover Dam. (laughs) All right, Darren. That does it for Quick Picks. Now, we added a new segment at the end of last season, and I kept sliding it into Quick Picks, and you were like, let's just make it its own thing. So this is the segment on the No Mem Movies podcast where I teach you something. (laughs) Whether you like it or not. (laughs) This is important to me, damn it. So there's a scene in this movie where to separate the titanium rings from this box of rings that they find it in, they submerge all the rings in champagne and the titanium floats to the top because the titanium is supposedly so light it would just float to the top. So I researched this. Top scientific minds. Uh, This is according to the Department of Physics from the University of Illinois at Urbania-Champaign. 
Oh, well, they clearly know what they're talking about. Of Champagne's course. Champagne's involved. Someone asked them, does titanium sink in water? And they said, yep. And they said the average density of titanium is 4.51 grams per milliliter compared to water's density, which is one gram per milliliter. So it's 4.5 times as dense as water. And it would sink like a rock. Now, did you ask the same question about champagne, though? If you're telling me champagne, <laughs> I couldn't find the exact density of champagne because fermented water. <laughs> nobody mixes it in like mixed drinks. So there are articles out there about the layering drinks and the density of different alcohols so that you could do layered drinks and fancy bars. And the lightest one I could find is 151 rum, which is 0.94. I, yeah. I don't know what 0.94 is. And the heaviest is butterscotch schnapps at 1.22. Mm. So neither of these are getting close to the 4.5 yeah. grams per milliliter. So therefore, that is completely inaccurate. And absolutely, those rings would not float. I wonder how they came up with that. I have no clue. So there you go. There's your lesson. But that makes sense about the 151, because have you ever had a flaming Dr. Pepper or have heard of it? I've heard of it. You layer it, and the thing you layer on top before you set it on fire is 151. I guess it's double duty because it's super flammable and light. And light. And sits on top. So if you ever want to get into mixed drinks and really spruce up your parties, <laughs> next time you throw a Charlie's Angels viewing party. <laughs> I'm sure you got some 151 on hand. <laughs> All right, Darren, do you want a little trivia before we go out? Yeah. Did you notice who was playing the cop in the CSI scene? No, I did not recognize. Who was it? I thought for sure it was Owen Wilson doing a cameo. I was like, uh, that is Owen Wilson. And it makes total sense because Luke Wilson, his brother, is in the yeah. movie. I was wrong. <laughs> it is not Owen Wilson. It is the other Wilson brother, Andrew Wilson. Ooh. Oh. Plot twist. See in movies? He has made cameos in a bunch of different movies. And most of the ones that his brothers, his are, brothers in. are in. Yeah. I guess he's in a lot of Drew Barrymore movies. He must be friends with Drew Barrymore. Hmm. No, I would have known. You would have spot that nose a mile away. I, but the the voice and the look, the jawline, because he's wearing yeah. like a helmet. It's kind of blonde. It yeah. looked like Owen yeah. Wilson, but no, Andrew Wilson. All right. Pete's high school reunion is for Rydell High School. The same high school as Greece. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're such good dancers. <laughs> Okay, I don't know where this is from. Again, this is IMDb trivia, so I don't know what the source is on this. But all of the Irish characters, including the henchmen, are either Scottish, English, or American. None of them actually <laughs> come from Ireland. And this is referenced in a deleted scene where Bernie Mac complains that the Irish accent he is putting on sounds just as real as theirs. <laughs> uh, the mansion where the convent, the nun convent in Mother Superior, is the Playboy Mansion. Oh, nice. That's why the kids are reading a Playboy magazine uh, as the camera pans across. Nice. Tells you the budget of this movie. <laughs> we can film anywhere we want. Oh, here we go. This is the this is my last one, my last piece of trivia. This is the second movie where Carrie Fisher plays a nun. The first being Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Hmm. It's been a long time since I've seen that. I don't remember where that scene. Is she the one that picks them up hitchhiking? Maybe. And he's got to follow the rules of hitchhiking. <laughs> I think that might be it. Maybe that is her. 
So there you go. God, I got to watch that again. It's been <laughs> <Right>. too long. <laughs> that might be a future episode of the No Meh Movies podcast. But for now, Darren, we got to make our final decisions on Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Was it a good movie? Was it a bad movie? What did you think? So for our first movie of our second season, I think it's known by now that I at least thought this was a bad movie. We we kind of said it almost from the beginning that I think you said it was it it kind of stopped from a standpoint of like identifying itself of what what it was. It stopped in a weird place and didn't go too far, but didn't go far enough. So it left you with this kind of weird crouching tiger hidden dragon meets Austin Powers, but less funny and the CGI and stuff was not as cool. So I don't know. It was just in this weird spot. And then when you combine that with like the fluffiness of Charlie's Angels and the and the Angels, which I could live with if the rest of the movie was different, but with the way the rest of the movie was, it was hard for all those pieces to be together and for this to be a good, to call this a good movie because it just didn't, it didn't feel like it knew where, where it wanted to land. I agree. This is a bad movie and there's a lot there to work with. Thought McGee had potential. I think these Angels together are a fun cast. I don't know if they're the strongest group of angels we could ask for. As far as the, the action scenes go and the spy stuff goes, they're all charming together. Lucy Liu is probably the strongest out of all of them, like we said. And there is no reason for this Charlie's Angels franchise to go away for, what, 16 years there was there is something there, but this movie clearly did such like the the public perception of this movie was so bad that this franchise had to go away for sixteen years. And Mission Impossible was able to turn it around. Like the second Mission Impossible may end up as a movie on the show one day. Yeah. And it went on to have an incredible franchise. It could have been done here. It could have been done. If someone would have green greenlight that third movie with a different writer and a different director. You could have gotten to the level that Mission Impossible is at today. Will this new reboot do it? Maybe. I mean, it seems like it's in the same vein as the current Mission Impossible movies. So maybe this will do it. Maybe this will be the reboot that we need in 2019. Yeah, this movie, man, it really just killed this franchise. Yeah. And I would have loved to see this movie redone with, like, if you, if you want like a lot of karate, that sort of thing. I wonder if you redo the movie and just put in like Jackie Chan stuff, right? Get a bunch of... of If um, he choreographs it? Yeah. Yeah. He choreographs it, get a bunch of people that... um, What about stunt stunt people that can do that stuff and have it do that stuff where it's still kind of awe-inspiring but not impossible. Like maybe it changes the tone of the movie a little bit. I don't know. Those are our thoughts on Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, and there was a lot there. We clearly had some things to say. We were clearly geared up for season two of this podcast because we got some good movies coming up, Darren. Yeah, it's Full Throttle for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Is that the season? (laughs) Season two, Full Throttle? (laughs) Yeah. 
All right, coming up next week, there's a huge movie coming out in theaters. I'm sure everyone out there is going to go see it. I'm sure your kids are going to drag you to it because Frozen 2 is coming out in theaters. What new song is going to get stuck in our heads for the next six months? (laughs) So with Frozen 2 coming out, and, you know, Elsa with her snow powers, her ice powers, put snow in our minds. And another heroine with snow in her name, Snow White. We're going to go back and do 2012's Snow White and the Huntsman, which, talk about some synergy here, Kristen Stewart plays Snow White. Yeah. And she is in the new Charlie's Angels movie. Weird. Yeah, look at that. It's like someone planned that. So that's our movie for next week. I could, I'll could, i tell you right now, it's on the TBS app. I don't know if it's st- still going to be there. Those things tend to fall off every now and then. But you can watch it for free on the TBS app right now. So if you want to catch up and watch Snow White and the Huntsman with us this week in anticipation for our show next week, go out and do it. We really appreciate everybody out there that stuck with us through season one. You guys know how hard it is to get a podcast off the ground. And me and Darren really enjoyed doing this and talking movies for you, with you. And we appreciate you sticking with us through this season one break and some of the bonus episodes. I hope you enjoyed those. I know I went insane on my It episode. I had re- I had so many thoughts on that movie that I just had to get out. So we appreciate all of you out there and any of you that subscribe, rate, and review the show. We love it on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. You can follow us on Twitter at NoMemMovies. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Thanks for supporting the show, everyone. And the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance and tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. So, Darren, the question we ask, Charlie's Angels full throttle, were you entertained? Would you like me to give the synopsis first? Oh, yeah, we do that, don't we? (laughs) 